If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the GOAT Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a GOAT, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Chibenville, and welcome to another episode of the GOAT Consulting Podcast right here in Pod Studio One in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We got a great show for you today at the table, as always. It's my good friend, the CEO and founder of the GOAT Family of Brands, Tyler Burnett. Tyler, we're glad you're with us today. Glad to be here. And to the left, as always, from Brentwood, Tennessee, with a cool T-shirt on today that says bourbon from the great state of Kentucky, the the calming force of our show, the LinkedIn Whisperer, Mr. John Byers. John, thanks for being here today. Boom. I love bourbon. We've got a great show for you today. The topic is simple. We're going to set the stage first by by talking about the things that makes this show unique. Number one, we serve it up in a way that you can get it, like Waffle House. That's why that big bottle of syrup's there. Number two, we talk about the stages of life. Tyler's in his 30s. I'm in my 40s, 50s. Uh, I was in my 40s a couple of years ago. And, and John's in his 40s. And, and part of it's the, the 20s get in the game, 30s move up in the game, 40s you try to stay in the game. In our 50s we say, what is it that I really want? Mm-hmm. And then it's just about the goat, that simple, iconic, beautiful brand behind us. And goats are easy to see in sport. They're the people that are recognized for their greatness. They elevate all of those around them for their play, where they sing. But in business, it's different. In business, it's people that compete on perspective, unique perspective, education, and experience. What they do gives them energy. It gives other people energy, and it creates new levels of challenge and opportunity for all those around them. That's well said. Thank you. Thank you. So, so today the topic. We're glad you're with us. We hope you're listening on one of the one of the many outlets that we're we're shooting out to the world: YouTube, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon, Google. We hope you're listening to one of those, and we're All glad you're, you're here with us today. But the topic is simple, and I think it's it's simple, and at the same time, it's it's somewhat difficult during these cold winter days in Tennessee. I think it rained the last four or five days, and, and I'm okay with rain, but when rain and it's really cold, you start to really wonder if you're ever going to be happy again. And that's... <laughs> That's what. That's the way I feel, at least. So sunshine makes you happy. Sunshine, okay. sunshine, sunshine. What is what does uh, Darius Rucker say? Beers and sunshine. Yes, that's what makes me happy. Uh, the show today is what makes me. There's a parentheses there and a parentheses. Thank you, men. Happy and surprisingly. It may be different than you think. And so we're going to take that one simple idea and unpack it around those three frames. Uh, I'm going to go around the table and first, I think, should we start with our goats? Is that where you Let's do it. You want to begin? And I know that I know that you always come prepared, as we all do. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've got a great goat for us today. So uh, kick it off for us. What, who, who is a goat that really connects with the audience and the topic of what makes me, parentheses, men, happy? So I'm going to, I don't know that I'm going to nail that piece of it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to pay homage to someone that completely deserves it, certainly lately, is the GOAT, Hank Aaron. Just passed away. Okay. Uh, I'm from Atlanta. He seemed happy. 
every picture I've ever seen of him, he looked happy. And, you know, he went through a very trying time in Major League Baseball, um, civil rights. He's known as a, a trendsetter, a, not a trendsetter, that's not the right word, a leader in the civil rights conversa- conversation. But in addition to all of that, as we're relating this to uh, what he did and, and bourbon, he's still the current leader of RBIs, extra base hits, total bases. Did you know that? No, I didn't. And some say he's still the home run leader. Home run king? Because right. of the whole well, steroids. Really. That's a different podcast. Remember, but. remember in an earlier podcast you said something about, we talked about the womb of greatness being Nashville or? Mobile. Mobile. I don't remember the other one, but. Uh, do you do do either of you, and Carl, I'll include you into this, know where Hank Aaron is from? Well, I would guess. Murfreesboro? I'm going to guess by that topic, it's it's likely somewhere in Alabama. Yes, it is Mobile, the womb of greatness. But continue on. He's he's a goat. And the most commonly thing, the most commonly said thing about Hank Aaron was he was a great baseball player. At least I think he is. But an even better human being. <laughs> and I think that's a testament to the legacy that Tie, he left behind. Ties right into our, our topic for today. Yes, it does. So – so a great human being ties right into our topic for today. My goat comes from when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time in trouble. My dad said, you can either read books, and he laid them out for me, children's books, you know. You can stay in your room, or you can listen to music, and he laid out albums for me. Hmm. And so I would always listen to albums. And okay. so one of the albums, he had about 10. One of them was the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band, Hearts Club Band. And John Lennon, the driving force of the Beatles and the goats, goat, once said this, when I was five years old, my mother always told me that happiness was the key to life. When I went to school, they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wrote down happy. That makes sense. <laughs> they they the told key. me I the didn't understand the assignment, and I told them they didn't understand life. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That sounds like uh, something that will come out of one of your kids' mouths. I know. <laughs> I'm going to share about that one of them here in a moment, too. So so, so I, that, that statement resonates with me because, number one, for, for so many reasons, I think, first of all, I, I, from, from an educator, uh, I think it speaks to the things we think and do not say. That's right. The future of our business. And, and then from somebody that probably spent uh, uh, the good majority of his life in his own head walking around lost in what my mom called Colby land, um, I always just love to be happy and be inside my own head and walking around experiencing life in the way that I saw the world. And so I think, I think John Lennon's quote is so true about happiness. Hmm. And, and I think that the statement is so true about education. And, and I think it's so true certainly today with where we sit in this global pandemic and people and relationships and education. So that's my goat for today. Why, is, do, why do educators do that, though? Like, just two days ago, Max comes home, yeah. and they were studying on gravity at school, and he raises his hand and asks the teacher, hey, if you're in space, and you is it harder to swallow food because of gravity? And I thought, Max, that's a great question. He's, a, he's an expert question asker. Yeah. And you know what the teacher said? Pay attention and do your work. Yeah. Which is this? He must have the same teacher as Lennon. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, that's well, the, the terrible. Edu- the education system w- was was designed for an economy that doesn't exist anymore. Oh wow! And the economy that write that down for a future episode. That's the, worth a whole. Golly, please. The, the, the economy that we had before was a was a uh, an industrial economy built on bells and rows 
and factory lines. And today we live in a knowledge economy that says you have to understand your value and articulate it to the world. Mm. And so what Max was doing is trying to understand his own value and articulate it back to the world. And you're absolutely right to say that the teacher was wrong to say that. Yeah. That the teacher should engage that student where they are and take them to the next step. But to answer your question, we have designed an education system that was for an economy uh, that doesn't exist anymore. And the challenge, and it is challenge, and I will just give a, a props to my educating folks out there, is that we're trying to design an educational system for an economy that doesn't even exist yet. And that's the real challenge hmm. that we have. Well, I'm going to go. We'll, we'll have my goat, and goat I, I don't. I don't go with the uh, the celebrities and the. I, I know you, you guys, keep it local. You guys, I like to keep it local. Okay, yep. and, his goats uh, are local. And something that makes me happy is true friendship. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so, right. so, so somebody, so somebody that can that you can build <laughs> trust with. They can tell you things that are that are hard to hear, but honest. Uh, somebody that likes to be developed and they want to continue to grow and learn. I love to continue to grow and learn. I love golf. I mm-hmm. love business. I love somebody that's passionate about what they do. And I'm going to go with my good friend, Dr. Jeremy Beals. Mm-hmm. He's a chiropractor here in Murfreesboro at Stanley Chiropractic. And uh, I'm not hurt right ding. now, but uh, well, I mean, okay. you know, you thought, okay. you thought I was going to call me Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, I was. I'm okay though. He was over there like. <laughs> I was beaming. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You, don't like, you don't like golf. Okay. You're everything but well, the golf. Well, once you said golf, I knew it wasn't me. And, and so that's, uh, that's something me and, me and Jeremy get to do often. A lot of times on Friday in the afternoons, we'll go play golf, and we'll, and we'll talk business, and we'll talk friendship, and we'll talk competition, how competitive we are, and dedication, and, and all the different things, and how successful he wants his team to be and his company. And yeah. I'm kind of the same way, so – I just kind of wanted to go with, with uh, of course, there's a lot of other things that make me happy too, but sure. um, I just felt led to go with uh, Mr. Dr. Bills today. Well, and it, hey, the episode is what makes me, parentheses, men happy. And yeah. and I think your relationship with uh, Dr. Bills and, and the golf that y'all get to play that I don't, I think makes you happy. <laughs> and I think that's okay. Now, How did you come up with this topic? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, I, get, I find crazy articles and... This actually comes from a website called getpocket.com. And it's hmm. a it's a study. Pick pocket. Get, get <laughs> pickpocket. <laughs> well, getpocket.com. Okay. Uh, I don't want to know how you found this. Well, it came to my email. I mean, I, I get a lot of I like weird information, but they had a study called the 2018 Harry's Masculinity Report. Okay. As it's titled. Surveyed 5,000 men ages 18 to 95 across the U.S., waited for race, income, education, sexual orientation, military service, and more. The respondents were asked about their happiness, confidence, emotional stability, motivation, optimism, and sense of being in control. They were then asked how satisfied they were with their careers, their relationships, their money, their work-life balance, their physicality, and mental health, and also about the values that matter most to them. Here's what was interesting to me. The results showed a clear trend. The strongest predictor of men's happiness and well-being is their job satisfaction by a large margin. And the strongest predictor of job satisfaction is whether men feel they're making an impact on their company's success. Now, that's interesting. The study did not say whether men were having success what they said is the way that they felt if men were having an impact mm. 
on the company's success. I think those are two totally different things. The measure Does that mean it's less tied to their work? No, I think it's it's more tied to their okay. work, but specifically not the success of the company, but the success that they have, the impact that they create on that success. On that success, the measure the study finds is influenced by whether men feel they are using their own unique talents at work, whether they are surrounded by a diverse set of perspectives, how easily and often they can chat with coworkers, whether they feel their opinions are valued, and whether they're, whether they're inspired by the people they work with. So the consensus of 5,000 men was that they're deriving their happiness in large part due to this idea while being at work. The meaning that they're finding. I think I struggle with that. Why? At least, I mean, I've, I read the article. I don't, I, I can't believe that you say that. If anybody, you're the greatest example of it. Really? But I, I don't know that if you ask me, like, what would make, what makes when you happy? When do you feel out of connection? When do you feel out of connection? Where do you spend the most time? Well, well so here, here's what I wrote down. Okay. I said, I, I wrote I it like this. I can't believe I'm hearing this. I know. Well, this is, you know, this, this, this what is what is. the show's about. I wrote down goats use their work as a catalyst to generate happiness in other areas of life. Maybe that's what those 5,000 men were saying. But for me, if you were going to ask me, like, what, what makes you happy? I'm not sure my work would have been in the top five, but maybe it's because I'm not aware. I mean, I think about my life, my relationships, my my marriage, my kids. I think about my level of gratitude because how I would think of it is my happiness is a direct function of my, lad of my, my level of gratitude at any given moment. Like, that's what I think about. Have you ever worked anywhere where you're miserable? I have. Yeah, like really miserable. Like I think so because I think that I don't I don't think so I think Maybe. that's the difference I really do I don't I don't know you all, uh, from far back enough but I think that I think that if you work somewhere where you're so miserable and you know that it's not where you're supposed to be that when you get to where you do want to be you look back and go oh my god that does Let, my work does impact me so I, much I'm laughing because I'm thinking about what you're thinking about and what you're thinking about is the work that you did for that large car manufacturer mm -hmm. in North America, yeah. right? And the greatest satisfaction that you found during that time was when they tasked you to figure out how to create a cost savings initiative that would drive complete change within the division and put them on the right side of where they need to be to report to the mothership. Mm -hmm. And you did it, right? Mm -hmm. And I would bet that's probably the happiest that you were during that time. What this article says is that the measure the study finds is influenced by whether men feel they are using their own unique talents at work, whether they are surrounded by a diverse set of perspectives, how easily and often they can chat, communicate with coworkers, and whether they feel their opinions are valued. Well, so nothing maybe, mattered right there, though. The last three things, that's why... The first thing did, but one of four does not make you happy. So now when I can do those things for my Altogether, life, I'm you're happy. You're even happier. Yes, I'm by far the most happy. And that's all I'm saying to John's point is that I realize it more about how happy I can be in my life outside of work 
because I was so not happy at work that I was not happy in life, too. Like, it carried over, right? So maybe that's what I'm getting at, is maybe my sense is, while I believe it's true, I hate it all at the same time, because I don't want to tie my happiness in life to my work. It's certainly a big part of it, but I feel like when I think about the most important things in my life that drive me, that 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 give me passion, and certainly work is a piece of that, but it's a slice of the overall pie. Well, here, here's what the study says further. I'm glad you said that. Men who have high job satisfaction are likely to be content in other aspects of their life. That's, I agree. Men at work are more likely to be men at ease with themselves. It's everything else, contentment at home and relationships and friends flows down from being satisfied at work. I had so much dissatisfaction in work it that I brought it home areas. and yeah. it impacted so much more. That's what I'm saying. Here's, here's how a 10-year-old put it. Oh heavens! <laughs> my son, my son Ross, God bless him. He is fantastic. Um, Ten years old. This was three years ago. He brought this home from school, and it said, "I am happy." I don't even know what the assignment was. Um, probably to sit down and do your work. It was. It said, <laughs> "I'm happiest at many places. I'm happy at home. I'm happy with my parents. I'm happy with my friends." I'm just happy all the time. When others are happy, it makes me happy. I'm happy for myself. The world makes me happy. Life makes me happy. That's what makes me happy in life. And granted, he's 10 and doesn't have a full-time job today, but I just wonder if that's the purest form of happiness before we let work mess it up. Mm, Feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. Is the definition? I wanted to look it up to see what what the dictionary said. It's good. Well, I think. What do you think about that? Do I we, think being ten today. He, he's ten. Thirteen today. 13. This was three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Thirteen. I think being ten today or thirteen today is a whole lot more complex and difficult than being ten or thirteen when we were growing up. Number one. Um. So much more access or what? I mean. Uh, yes. I mean, for sure. So much more access to, to information that they probably don't understand. And they would have been blind here, to before. Here, let me let me throw this out there. This is really fascinating. So Dan Gilbert's a scientist. He is a really popular TED Talk that he did on happiness. And he studied to, one in, in, within this 20-minute talk. He talks about uh, one of the many studies that he did. And I thought this was fascinating on two groups of people. One are lottery winners, one are paraplegics. Wow. Interesting. A ye- and he studies their level of happiness one year after the event in which they won the lottery or they became— <laughs> Where do these people come up with this? Or they became Sorry, a paraplegic. I'm control an experiment around this. I don't know what I think about this, and I haven't had a lot of time to sit with it, but the, the results are fascinating, and he doesn't, at least in the TED Talk, talk about the level of happiness, but he says this. Can I just stop for a second and yeah. ask you this? I'm just curious, what is the title of this TED Talk? I don't know. Ted okay. Happiness, I'm guessing. Okay. I'll just <laughs> one year after they either won the lottery or became paraplegic, he says he says their levels, they were on equal levels of happiness. 
And in fact, he asked the crowd, what do you think? Who's happier a year later after winning the lottery and becoming paraplegic? We all would say the same thing, likely, yeah. right? Yeah. But he says they're on equal levels of happiness. And here's the— Well, does he explain why? Well, he, he, do, he does go into it, and I'm not smart enough to share, but you're going to have to rewind this quote and listen to it. So after I say it, hit the 15-second back button on whatever platform you're listening to it. Listen to it again. But here's—and I've, I've tweaked his quote a little bit, kind of made it my own words, but he says, our longings— which I would say are our ingratitudes, not our desires in like a healthy way, but our longings of what we don't have. Yep. Our ingratitudes and our worries, which I would say are as our fears, yep. erode happiness. Yep. And both are to some degree overblown. We make them bigger than what they really are, right? Because we have within us the capacity to manufacture the very commodity we are constantly chasing when we choose our experience. Choose happiness. Choose happiness, but also think about it. Have you ever have you ever missed something like like you you didn't get something you wanted, and so you find yourself a year or two later, like when I ran for office in Brentwood and I didn't get it, and I'm thinking when I look back, I'm like, God, I'm so glad I didn't get that. Yeah, that was a cool we, sticker. We do that in our life, right? Still have it in my fridge. Thank you for that. Yeah, and I think that's what he's talking about. We we. We have the opportunity to choose happiness. And, and tough. If, if you even take that out of it, when we have choices in life, the more choices we have, the harder the more it is to we be have happy. to choose. No, he would say the more you ha- the more your opportunity to be happy increases, hmm. the more choices you have. I, don't I, don't magnify what you don't have or what you fear. Mm-hmm. And when we when we manufacture the happiness, in other words, when I say, "Well, I didn't get that the thing that I wanted," or or that, you know, how many times have you ever had somebody that's gotten broken up with, or we ourselves gotten broke w- up with in a relationship, or didn't get a job, and you say, "Oh, I'm so much better off without that person," or someone tells mm-hmm. you that we're trying to manufacture happiness, and what he says is, when we have the choice and we don't have to manufacture it, that's how we really achieve happiness. I think Garth Brooks wrote a song about that. Did he? Unanswered prayers. Oh, he did. That's a good song. He's such a goat. He's a goat. (laughs) Well, I'll take it to a personal level. All right, when I read this, I I think that this article is 100% true for men. I, I think that the way that they have presented it, by whether men feel they are using their own unique talents at work, when I am my least happiness is when I'm not using my unique talents to do what I do. That's when I'm at my least happiness. That's when I fall out of connection. When I have to do the things at work that I don't want to do, that I don't like to do, Hmm. that are part of it. And I think the takeaway for the audience, the practical takeaway, is that if this study of 5,000 people, 5,000 men, that showed this clear trend that a strong predictor, meaning that if this happens, then this happens, immense happiness and well-being and job satisfaction by a large margin, and the strongest predictor of satisfaction is whether men feel they are making an impact on the company's success, then the takeaway for the audience is what kind of impact do you want to create within your organization? Mm. And where then, are you best? And then how are your unique perspective and education and experience used in order to create unique value for the company. I might also add to that, which I think is great, is, and I said this earlier, as maybe a practical takeaway for me, 
is I'm my happiest when I'm living in my gratitude. When so I'm hard. Writing, when I'm writing things down, when I'm mindful, when I spend time in the morning Can't do it. expressing gratitude and throughout the day, that's when I'm fine myself. And it goes back to the quote, right? I mean, we, as a nod to t- Tyler fixing this issue in the world, the grass is greener on the other side. Right, and that's not true. unless it's turf. And let well, what I what I read I read and a it quote. It's always great. I read a quote the other day that it was soon good. it was good. <laughs> I read a quote the other day that said, you know, the grass is greener where you water it, where you water it, right? Unless yeah. you have turf, because yeah. then that quote doesn't mean anything, right? But so you don't have to water turf. I don't water it. I am I am at my happiest when I'm expressing gratitude and realizing. All right, I'm going to ask Gratitude. you a really hard question because I, I do believe, I know I've known you a long time and I believe that. But here's the thing whenever I get off the phone with you, okay? I've known you for over a decade. Number one, I've never seen you have a bad day. Well, ever. That's not true. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Let me finish. Okay. All right. Number two, I've never called you and you've been in a bad mood. Hmm. Uh, number three, you're always willing to listen and always stay positive and never go negative. So I guess the takeaway for me in those three things is, that sitting in your gratitude and being gra- being grateful for those things is what keeps you part part of what keeps you happy, right? I think so. It's a hard thing to do. I, I mean, I wrote down. Sure, it's hard. I wrote I wrote down. Don't magnify what you don't have, and focus on what you don't have and what you fear, and focus to to grow what you do have, and and be grateful for what you do have, and make it better. I think sometimes we all do that. You know, it's the, it's the car or it's the house or it's the, the land or it's the the woman or whatever the case may be. Our longings. And, and we, we, That's how, yeah, it, how Gilbert it, put it. Exactly. It, they erode happiness. Well, this, the study did not just, uh, just include at work. I'll read a couple other things for you as we wrap this thing up. Um, they said, of course, men are not monolith nor are they subset of men in positions of power, as the past year has proven with some are abuse or others on the forefront of change. Okay, that's not what I wanted to read, so let me stop and back that up. (laughs) That makes no sense. Just pretend like you didn't hear that. Regionally, friendship is a particular strong predictor of well-being for men in the West and Northeast, while socializing through sports and healthy competition was a strong indicator of well-being for men in the U.S. and South. So there are other things outside of work to your point, that do that. But I think the, the takeaway for this particular episode is that the study found that men find their happiness through the impact they create on the success of the company, and that impact is built through the value, the unique value that they deliver to that company. Ugh, I think it's a good message. I don't like it. I'm not saying it's not true, but I just hate the thought of that being well, I my, think it, my thing. Well, we always go back to unique perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a little more challenging, and I think I see it better because of some of my unique experience and my perspective. I understand what you're saying wholeheartedly. I don't like the truth of it in my own life, and maybe that's really what it is because huh. I don't want that to be the thing. Well, okay, here. I think we got to we got to land the plane. You you and I go point. out to the, yes, you and I go out to dinner with the former CEO of uh Walmart. Mm-hmm. And we walk away and you're like, "Man, that was so much fun." Yes. I walk away and I'm like, "This really makes me happy." Because that's my unique value and that's the impact that I want to create in that moment. I think that's the takeaway for the audience. Hmm. Understand the value that you create, understand the impact that you want to have, 
and live in that moment. Well said. For Tyler, Good for stuff. John, and for Carl. <laughs> in Pod Studio One right here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, I'm Colby Juvenville, and this is the Go Consulting Podcast. Boom. Um.